Welcome back to The John Morris Show, a podcast for freelancers, web developers, and online business owners navigating the chaotic world of technology and online business. If you're new to the show, be sure to visit johnmorrisshow.com to subscribe on iTunes, Android, and TuneIn, and find past episodes of the show. And last but not least, as a podcast listener, you can get free access to my entire curriculum of freelancing and web development courses with the exclusive two-month free trial of Skillshare that I can give you. All the details on how to get that are at johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Now, let's get to the show. Are you listening? Damn. Hey everybody, John Morris here. Welcome back to another episode of the show. So this episode, I've got something a little bit different for you. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm actually taking an episode from a new course that uh, I've been working on for a little while here that is something totally different than anything I've ever done. It's it's not really a course, to be honest with you. It's more of a sort of an ongoing Q&A, which is something that the more I've created courses and, and worked with people and so forth, I feel like is missing from our the, the way that we do online courses and online education right now. And just to quick quickly give you the analogy of this, what what I look at is if you you know you ever go to a conference or you've seen speeches that people give, a lot of times they'll have their speech that they've written out and that they give and so forth, which I would liken to what we have now with online courses and so forth. They're these set things that you go through, you learn something specific, they're pre-produced and so forth. But most most of the time, a lot of these speeches or presentations are going to have a Q&A session afterwards. And if you look at our online education system, we don't really have a robust or rich way of doing that. Yes, you can leave comments and respond, but it's all real text-based. We don't really have as rich of a way of doing that as we do with, say, a presentation or so forth, and like we do for the, the rest of the online course. And so I want to change that. And so I've created this new course called Let's Talk Freelance, which is kind of this ongoing Q&A that I'm going to be having with you if you decide to enroll in the course. Again, it's over on Skillshare, the two-month free access, all that stuff still applies. So uh, if you're already over there, you can just jump over to the course and, and be able to do that. But the whole idea is to really make it you-centric your questions drive the different episodes and each one of the episodes be sort of self-contained. So it starts to become like a reference manual. You can go through there and see, oh, I have that question. Here's an episode on that. Or I'm struggling with this. Here's an episode on that. Instead of having to go through each episode sort of on its uh, in order and in sequence and so forth. So Anyway, it, it is a bit of an experiment. I know it's something that could totally fail and fall flat on its face, but I'm really excited to do it. I think just looking at it purely from a teacher-student perspective, I think it's something uh, that is going to be helpful for a lot of people. And so I'm willing to, to put my neck out a little bit and, and, and see how this goes. So anyway, I say all that because today's episode of the podcast, I'm giving you about a 30, 20, 30 minute snippet of the very first episode of that course. So in, in that, we're going to talk about how to get started freelancing. So I'm going to be walking you through just sort of the things that you need to nail down first, second, third, fourth in order to get starting freelance. So that's what's in this episode. We'll jump over to that. I'll come back at the end if you're interested in learning more about how to get access to the, the Let's Talk Freelance course over on Skillshare. I'll, I'll wrap that up at the end and tell you about that. 
Hey, John Morris here. Welcome to the very first episode of Let's Talk Freelance. And I wanted to kick this whole thing off by talking about how to get started freelancing because it's one of the most common questions that I get and I see a lot of a lot of freelancers who are struggling with this. So I wanted to tackle this right off the bat and kind of give you the big picture overview of how to get started and how to grow your freelance business. So you have conceptually the idea of where you're headed. And I think for a lot of people that that's going to help you to, to really get going. So the first thing that I want to tackle with this is uh, something that I see often. And maybe for you, this will be the thing where everything else in this lesson, maybe you you don't need and this is like the one thing that that you can sort of learn or, or get through and actually get started without the rest of what I'm gonna say but that is to to be honest and what I mean by that is what I see often with this with this particular question is it's not really about information it's more about fear uh, a lot of we'll call them wannabe freelancers or aspiring freelancers when I really dig into it and get to talking to them they actually already know what to do to get started. That so so that's not the problem. They just think they know or have convinced themselves that they don't because they're scared to put themselves out there. They're scared of what people might say. They're scared of what family and friends might think of them or they're scared that they might actually get clients and then not know how to deliver or fail at delivering and it be this big thing. So there's a lot of these different fears and insecurities around this and a lot of times what happens is that gets kind of projected onto, well, I don't know what to do. So I just want you to take a second before we get into all of this and really ask yourself. Uh, it may be the case that you, that you don't know where there's some gaps and holes and, and so forth. And that's perfectly fine. Everybody, you know, kind of starts not knowing how to do this. But really ask yourself and think about, do you really not know what to do? Or is this really more about fear and uncertainty uh, and so forth. So it's just something worth considering. You might, you know, you might find that you actually do already know what to do, and it's just about making that leap of faith. So anyway, something to to consider. I think I would be remiss if I didn't at least mention that. Of course, I'm going to go through a bunch of details here from the very beginning of how to get started and so forth, and may fill in some of the gaps uh, that you might be missing. And also, I think some things that will, if you are experiencing that fear, I think will help you to kind of get over it in, in understanding ways that you can approach this uh, that helps alleviate some of those things. So that said, let's let's dive into this. So the very first thing that you need to figure out when you when you decide that you want to freelance is what services you're going to offer. And I mean that you need to figure that out very specifically what you'll offer. So what a lot of people do is they say, well, I'm I'm a graphic designer. I'm going to be a web developer. And I'm just going to offer those services and sort of kind of think that that's good enough. And it's not really good enough. You have to be a lot more specific about that. And you really have to nail it down to the specific, what I, I'll, I'll refer to them as end results. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But you really need to nail them down to the specific end results that you're going to offer. The reason why is when you start thinking in end results, it, it's it's the way the client already thinks. And so when you put your services out, it's going to just make more sense to the client and it could be easier for you to get hired. But the other side of that is a lot of times there's your uh, people that are just starting out freelancing are in the learning phase of their actual skill set. So if you're a graphic designer or a web developer or a writer, 
you're still partly learning how to do graphic design or learning how to do web development and so forth. And there's all of these things that you can learn under those categories, under web development, under graphic design. There's all these different skills that you could learn how to do out there. And so you sort of think that you have to learn all of this stuff when really you don't. Instead, what you need to do is figure out what you're going to offer and then learn how to do that very specific thing, how to deliver on that very specific end result. And so it really shrinks the amount of stuff that you need to learn up front. Not that you shouldn't learn all that stuff down the road, but it really shrinks what you need to learn uh, up front to get started. And that makes that whole learning process even easier. So there's lots of reasons why to do this, but those are some of the big ones for you. And it's just the first thing that you need to figure out. So when it comes to figuring out what services to offer, the very first thing to, to think about is your category. So uh, I, uh, it is, you know, I'm going to be a web designer, or web developer, that sort of thing. Now, this is the one place, the, the, uh, the one thing, uh, that I'll mention here is that this is the one place where it's all about you. And so that's the key thing when you're thinking about the general area that you want to operate in the general category. Um, because most services, especially these days with the way the internet is and so forth, they're, they're, they're gonna have a market when you're at this general level of graphic design, web development, writing, etc. There's gonna be a market. So you don't need to worry about profitability all that much. It's gonna be profitable. You just need to pick the thing that you enjoy doing most. And you likely already know what that is, but sometimes people have hesitation about, oh, is it gonna be profitable and so forth. Again, most things at this general level are going to be it's just a matter of how you put your packages and your offers together and so forth so really focus in on what it is that you really want to do not what you think is practical not what other people have told you you should do etc what it is that you enjoy most so this is the one place that you get to do that because from this point forward it becomes all about your client so really take this for yourself and do this for yourself. And, and that's going to ensure that you're not miserable in your business. You're more passionate about it. You put in the effort and the work that you'll need to in order to be successful. Okay. So that's the category. Again, like I said, you probably already know what that is. The next step then that you need to get to, because again, that's not enough. We need to get more specific is to the end result. So the thing to remember is that the majority of your clients don't want a service. So they don't want graphic design or web development or whatever. They want a logo or they want a website mock-up, you know, or they want the website itself or they want a mobile app. And clients think in terms of end results and objects, not services. So your service offerings should reflect that so they make more sense to the client. You're offering them the exact thing that they actually want. Now, Fiverr is a great place to figure this out. And I know a lot of people get caught up in the pricing and, and so forth and they're like, oh, Fiverr. Forget that for a second. I'm not saying that you should price the stuff the way it is over there. But when you go over there, you'll see that they already kind of have it parsed out by end results. So if you go, if you go under graphic design on Fiverr, you're going to see things like logo design and brochures and posters and car wraps. They're all individual things that are being delivered End results, not services. That's what you want to do. And like I said, Fiverr is a really good place to figure that out. There's a phrase or, or a, an acronym that that we use it's SAAPs kind of like SAS this is SAPs so it's software as a product um, 
and Fiverr will help you to figure out which which uh, which products as services or which services as products are popular in your category. So use that as a tool to go through and look at that. They have a drop down on the right hand side when you look at a particular category that you can switch uh, to best selling. So that's going to show you the best selling uh, products in that category and that just look through those and you're going to start to see a lot of trends and get some ideas of, of things that you can offer. So that again, Fiverr is a good place to do that research. Okay, so you know that uh, that's a lot for for this video on that particular topic, talking about the 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 category and the the end results. And there's there's more that we need to get to in terms of talking about pricing and exactly what's going to be in each of your product and creating tiers. And there's a lot of technical stuff to get into in terms of figuring uh, that out. But the big thing to to know here in this particular episode is that's the very first thing that you need to do is figure out your offerings, what comes with each one, the pricing, all of that. Now, if you do want to do a deep dive on that, then I recommend that you check out my What Services to Offer course, which is a part of my Freelancing 101 series. You'll find it right here on Skillshare on my profile page, so you already have access to it. Uh, just just go ahead and if you want to dive into that, check out that, that course. It kind of goes into all the technical stuff there. Okay, so once you have your offers nailed down, then the next step in terms of getting started is you need to start getting clients. And one nice thing about this is if you really nail down your offer like I just explained, then and, and you do it based on real world data, that's 90% of the battle. Because if you put the right servicing offerings in front of the right people, they tend to sort of sell themselves. So again, if you can get that right, the actual getting clients and selling yourself part uh, gets a lot easier. Still though, we need to find clients, we need to let them know about what we do and, and so forth. So how do you go about getting clients? And there's, there's several things that you can do, but I'm gonna cover what I call the big three, platforms, in-person, and content. So you've likely heard of freelancing platforms like Upwork or freelancer.com. And the nice thing about these platforms is they do most of the work for you in terms of getting clients to the site. So there's a lot less just marketing work that you have to do. You have a bunch of clients that are just showing up and you just kind of have to put your yourself in front of them. So it can be a little bit easier in that regard. So take Upwork, for example. Upwork has thousands of new jobs that get posted to its platform every day. So uh, there, there's plenty of work that's going through the platform and you don't have to go out and try and get those people to show up to your site. So that can be helpful. Of course, the downside of platforms is they're ultra competitive. So there's millions of freelancers on a lot of these sites and they're all fighting for the same projects. And so it can be difficult for you to stand out and get hired, especially when you're brand new to these sites and just getting started. So when we start to talk about, okay, what do I do? How do I get, get clients uh, on these particular platforms? Now, the thing about these is they're, they're all just a little bit different. So if you take Upwork versus Fiverr versus TopTal, and I've chosen those specifically because those are all freelancing sites, but they're all completely different. Upwork is sort of more of a uh, open sort of general service type platform. It's probably what you more think of when you think of a freelancing platform. Fiverr is all of their stuff is more productized, so it's really more seems more like a store. And so what you would do there is totally different. 
TopTal is a curated platform. So the big thing there is not once you what what you do when you get on the platform. It's getting approved and on the platform in the first place because they just don't take very many uh, freelancers. So they're all completely different and they require completely different uh, approaches. But the biggest piece of advice that I can give you that will, is going to apply to any of these platforms is to just take some time and and look through and find the people that are the top freelancers on these sites and analyze what they do. So if you can get a client account, which, for example, you can get a client account on Upwork, and I advise this all the time. But if you can get a client account, go on there and, and actually do searches for your particular niche. So if you're a logo designer... In your client side of your account, look for logo designer, logo design, and look at all the freelancers that come up. Now you're seeing things from the client's perspective and look at all of the top freelancers, the ones that are charging the most, making the most, to get the most work, etc. Look at them and, and see what they're doing. Or if you can't do that, for example, TopTal, you're not going to be able to do that. Do a Google search uh, and and try to find information on people who have used TopTal, have had success on TopTal, and and see what they're saying about it. Try to just find as much research and information as you can about people who are having success on whatever platform it is that you're you're trying to figure out. That's the most effective way for you to to figure out what's working and and what's not instead of guessing or, or or even even reading the stuff that the the site itself puts out a lot of times they're putting out what they want not what's going to be effective for you so you have to take that stuff with a grain of salt so again look at people that are are, are doing a good job or having success and see what they're doing and don't just look at one or two you really need to look at a bunch of them, dozens and dozens of them, because what will happen is as you do, you're going to start to see trends and common denominators and so forth. And that's going to allow you to pick out the common themes that apply to all of, of these top freelancers. And then you can make sure when you build your profile and so forth that you include that stuff in your profile. That is one of the surest ways for you to be able to analyze and figure out a platform and figure out what to do and, and have success on it uh, and without having to guess and, and learn everything by trial and error. Simply model what successful people are already doing. Now, if if uh, Upwork is one of the ones that you're, you're wanting to get on, I do, again, have a course here on Skillshare that you already have access to that I've done all the research for you, essentially. I've taken everything that I learned and knew working on, on Upwork plus stuff from other top Upworkers and so forth. And I've kind of put it all together in a course to just show you what to do uh, in order to have success over on Upwork. So again, if that's something you're interested in, just check out my uh, profile page. The course is there. It's the freelancing on Upwork course. Can't miss it. All right. So that is platforms. The next one then is in person. So to me, this is one of the most underrated ways to get clients, uh, but it was very, very effective for me. So I joined some local business meetup groups when I used to live in Omaha, Nebraska. I don't live there anymore. Uh, I moved down to the Ozarks and it's a really small town around here. So there's not near as much of this stuff um, as there was there. But when I lived there, I joined, uh, I think it was just two local meetup groups and each one meant, uh, met once a month. Uh, every month. And every time that I went, I would get two, three, four, five leads for 
people that had a project they wanted someone to work on or looking for a developer to hire or whatever it was, I would always get multiple leads to every single one of these business meetings that I went to. And the really interesting thing to me is that they would come from people who literally had never seen any of my stuff. Most of these people I was just meeting for the first time. And so they had never, they didn't know who I was. They hadn't seen any of my stuff and they were just basically handing out work to me. So it's some weird thing about when people meet in person like that, they just sort of, there's this natural trust in these business meetings um, and so forth. And they would just assume that I was good and they would want to hire me. And I got work from it. Like I did projects and, and so forth as a result of that. Most of the time, those people never even looking at any of the stuff I'd ever did. So it's a bit baffling, but it happened consistently over and over and over and over for two years until I moved moved down here. So if you're in an even moderately sized town, uh, you know, there's probably business meetup groups in your area. Uh, if there's not, there's you probably live semi close to a, a decent sized town that that would have them. And it can be worth traveling. I mean, you have to check it out and see. But in my case, it would have been it would have been worth traveling an hour, maybe even two every month, you know, twice a month for the amount of leads and work that I got just sort of handed to me just by sh showing up. So, again, it can be worth traveling even if you're not uh, in a bigger town. Now, usually you can find these online. You can just sort of Google local mis like meetup group or business meetup group, local business meetup group, and then, you know, whatever town uh, you're targeting there. And you can find a lot of these online. They all have websites and so forth. Um, but even if not, you know, if you have the, the local people that you work with, so lawyers, realtors, plumbers, electricians, that sort of thing, all these professional services, these meetup groups are really big in these industries. I know how I actually got introduced to it was through my older brother. He got he got into insurance and like in the insurance industry, this is just one of the things that they teach new insurance agents uh, about the groups, how to go into the groups and all that stuff. So it's just a thing that every insurance agent learns how to do. And so uh, that's how I actually learned it. But in all of these different industries, these are these these groups are a big thing. So. You can go to one of these people that, you know, if you have an electrician or a lawyer, or realtor or whatever, just ask them, hey, are you are you a part of any local business meetup groups? And if they say yes, just ask them, are you guys looking to add a graphic designer or web developer, whatever it is that you do? And they'll know. I mean, the rules are pretty clear on uh, in most of these business meetup groups. They'll know a lot of times they are these groups are starving for people that offer kind of digital services like graphic design and writing and web development and that sort of thing. So a lot of these local groups are starving for those sorts of people. And so they'll know and they'll either say yes or no. And if they say no and say, well, if you ever, you know, if the whoever you got ever leaves, just let me know. I'd like to join or do you know of any others um, that maybe I could check out and so forth. And most of these people they're well versed in this stuff. So they're going to be able to give you some information and give you some leads to start looking it up. So don't be afraid to ask the actual professional professionals that, that you work with or, or you see or so forth. They can often give you a lot of uh, information on that. All right. So that's local business meetup groups. 
The third one then when it comes to getting clients is content and content has sort of been my bread and butter. I mean, you're probably here watching this now as a result of some content that I produced and it's a very effective way to, to get clients if you focus on the right things because you know, there's so many places to put content out these days, blogging, YouTube videos, podcasts, social media. You know, it's just, it's so prevalent um, and all these systems are designed to surface content. So even if you're brand new, if you create something good, your your content can get surfaced and shared and liked and so forth. And next thing you know, you can start right off the bat. There's there's all kinds of stories of people who their very first piece of content sort of went viral or, or took off at a, a very minimum and they just sort of went from there. Now, if that doesn't happen, don't get discouraged. I mean, you know, I, I spent a lot of years really just grinding away at stuff before my stuff took off. But you know, again, it, it's just such a, a simple and easy way for you to start getting your name out there. Now, there's a couple big pieces of advice I'll give you here, having done this for over a decade now. The very first thing and the thing that I think gets a lot of people really confused when, when they start thinking about this in terms of offering your services is you need to, to focus on metrics that matter. So one mistake that I see a lot is people is they think they start thinking in terms of content or thinking about their content in terms of what they see or what they themselves uh, con consume. And a lot of times that content is coming from people that are doing things that they're not doing. So what I mean by that is, you know, if you go to create a YouTube video, you might have watched or think start thinking of it in terms of people that you've seen or heard about, like some of the more popular YouTube tubers right now anyway are like PewDiePie, Markiplier, the Pauls, even though a lot of people don't like them. Uh, you know, those are some of the more popular ones. There's other people that are out there. And so you might start looking at those people and sort of analyzing what they do and so forth. But the problem is they don't do what you do, right? They're comedians, they're entertainers, and you're not. You're a service provider. So they make their money through ad revenue, merchandise sales, sponsorships, that sort of thing. You make it through providing a service. So the kind of content that you need to create to build trust and get people to hire you, that sort of stuff is never going to go viral on a site like YouTube and get millions of views and be super popular. It's just not. Those platforms are not designed for that kind of content. So, you know, if you take me, for example, let's say I do a coding tutorial. Well, that's never going to get 100 million views. Some of my most popular YouTube videos are in the 100,000 uh, range in terms of views. And that's over the course of nearly a decade. Okay, so they're just not going to ever get super popular. Even some of the really popular like coding tutorial people are out there. I think Brad Traversy may be one of the most popular. The most I've ever seen on one of his videos is six or 700,000. And again, that was over the course of several hundred years. Now, that, that can seem like a lot, and it is a lot for, for what we do. But if you compare that to comedians or like uh, music, that sort of thing, I mean, it's you'll see them all over the place that have hundreds of millions of views or in the tens of millions of views at, at least. So it, your stuff is just never going to be that popular, right? Because the, that, that stuff is made for those platforms or those platforms are made for that stuff. So the point is, is you're playing a different game and you'd be surprised how well you can do and how much you can make from a couple hundred highly targeted views 
views that are attracting the right kind of people who are perfect, they're ideal for the services that you offer. A couple hundred views from those people can do a lot in terms of getting getting work, getting client work, etc. So you really have to focus in on the metrics that matter and not get caught up in trying to be go viral, be this super popular YouTuber. You're not a YouTuber. You're not a blogger. You're not a podcaster. You're a freelancer. And you just use those as tools to help you sell your services. It's a totally different game. And the, therefore, the metrics that matter are totally different. The metrics that matter to you are bottom line revenue, how many people hire you, how much you can charge, those sorts of things. Not views, not likes, not shares. It's actual bottom line business numbers. And it's not true. This is another one that I hear a lot of this objection. I get. It's not true that if you take, if you, if you just got more views, that would automatically lead to more sales. It doesn't because the kind of content that you have to create to be persuasive and to attract the right kind of people that would actually want to hire you, that kind of content naturally is the kind of content that's not going to go viral. Okay, so it's just you really have to focus in on understand the metrics that matter. All right, so the second thing then is when you're creating your content to lead with value. And I, I know this is a very cliche term and maybe vague term at this point, but it, it, it's 100% true. And the way that I mean it here is you don't just want to go out, and I still see people doing this, so it's important to address it, but you don't, you don't want to go out and just start blasting your link out all over these places and saying, buy my stuff, right? If you, a lot of those places... If you do that, it's going to get you, might not get you banned from the service, by the service, but you're going to get a lot of people that just straight up block you or won't follow you or ignore you or whatever. Like, it's just not going to get you any sort of traction. It's it, Not only is it not going to lead you, get you the numbers on the site, like likes and shares and followers and all that, but it's not going to lead to sales either because you're not doing anything to, to, to be persuasive or to be compelling or to get people to want to even pay attention to you. The big, the very first thing that you have to do when it comes to content is to get people to pay attention to you. And you're never going to create a little snippet that is uh, you know, compelling enough that it being about selling your services, that's going to, that's going to get, people to, to do that. You, you really have to get out there and, and lead with value and create uh, content that, you know, that it educates, it entertains, it inspires people. Um, and in particular, the exact people that are going to be interested in your services. Then when you do that, you can include a link to your services at the end. And I, I refer to this as the 99-1 principle. So it's 99% content and value, 1% selling. And you can look at just about any piece of content that I create for YouTube or Instagram on my blog, etc. You can look at it just about any piece of content that I've created, especially the last probably two, three, four years. And you're going to see this principle at work. You're going to see it's 99% content, 1% selling. And if it's not, it's because I just I did a bad job on that particular piece of content. So, again, lead with value. The third thing then is to focus on problems in your content. So when you're trying to figure out what kind of content to create, don't think in terms of like the shiny utopia that, that you can create for your client. You want to think in terms of more in terms of like the dirty, ugly dystopia that they might be currently experiencing and how to help them out of that. So 
the analogy that I like to use uh, is imagine you you have a thorn stuck in your side and the pain is excruciating. Every time you move, it wiggles a little bit deeper uh, into your skin and the pain gets sharper and more intense until you almost can't bear it. And then you have two people that come along. One says, hey, you know, it looks like you're feeling bad. Sorry about that. But I've got just the thing for you. It's my new proprietary wellness system that's going to help you feel great and and make uh, you know all your dreams come true, etc. And they're focusing on the positive side of things. Okay. Then the other person says very simply to you, "Hey, I can show you how to get that thorn out of your side." Of those two people, which are you going to immediately leap to? Which is the easier sale? So, and, and I hope I think it's obvious that's the second one. So, if you focus on figuring out and creating content around the actual problems that your clients are having then you're always going to be kind of on the right track. That doesn't mean that every single piece of content is going to be a home run. But if you're constantly doing that, you're going to end up with more doubles and triples uh, than than not. So again, focus on problems and and with your content and solving them for people and you're going to be on the right track. So again, that's a lot, but uh, again, if you want to dive into using content and good clients, so if that's something that you want to go further with, again, I have a, a, a course on this on my Skillshare profile, Turn Content into Clients. Uh, it goes into a lot more detail on that and just kind of shows you exactly what to do. Okay, so we've talked ab- about getting, we've talked about our service offers, we've talked about getting clients, now it's time to talk about delivering. All right, so that's it. That'll end sort of the, the free portion of this episode. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to get access to the full episode, go into to several more steps that you'll want to take in order to get started freelancing. You can check out the, the full episode over on Skillshare. Just go to letstalkfreelance.com. That'll just re- redirect you over to the course. If you're already a, a member of Skillshare, you'll hop right into the course and you start going. Otherwise, if not, you can learn about the two-month free trial and how to get access and so forth. So hopefully we'll see you over there. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.